This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. It's Zoomer Radio's Theater of the Mind with Frank Proctor. Open your mind as we fill your head with amazing thrills, chills, <laughs> and laughs. Theater of the Mind, the best love programs from radio's golden age, only on Zoomer Radio. Now, here is your master storyteller, Frank Proctor. Well, thank you, and good evening. I have a new show to offer you tonight, but first, a tried-and-true series that preserves the thoughts of the good-hearted cowboy who helps out his neighbors whenever he can. Yep, Matt Dillon, U.S. Marshal, riding your way in an episode that was first aired in 1952. Around Dodge City and in the territory on West... There's just one way to handle the killers and the spoilers, and that's with a U.S. Marshal and the smell of gun smoke. Gun Smoke, starring William Conrad. The story of the violence that moved west with young America. The story of a man who moved with it. Matt Dillon, United States Marshal. Chester. Chester. Chester, where are you? Back here, Mr. Dillon. Well, come on out. Yes, sir, Mr. Dillon. Seems I get my boots on. Your boots on? What are you doing? Sleeping? No, sir. Just washing my feet. <laughs> well, I hope you didn't have any plans for tonight. Uh, what did you want me to do, Mr. Dillon? Well, I want you to stay on Front Street for a few hours while I go up and have a toddy with Big Kate. But if you're going to oh, be busy... Oh, no, sir. Right? I haven't got anything to do. I'd be proud to stay here. <laughs> Just look at the dust in that street. Uh-oh. Mr. Dillon? Huh? Looks like Major Randall from Fort Dodge crossing over here. Ah, open the door for him, Chester. <laughs> Major will like that. Come in, Major Randall. Come in, sir. Marshal Dillon. Hello, Major. Marshal, I want to talk to you about last Saturday's affair. Well, Saturday was a pretty lively day around here, Major. Which affair do you mean? You surprised me, Marshal. Two United States Army soldiers were murdered while driving a supply wagon from here to Fort Dodge. A government payroll was stolen, and you seem to have taken no interest in the matter. Well, now, Major, protecting the Army isn't exactly... The Army can protect right. itself, Marshal. That isn't the point at all. Well, if that's true, Major, how come there are only two soldiers carrying your payroll? You've got plenty of men out there and plenty of guns. Where were they? On maneuvers. On maneuvers? My command, Marshal, troops remain in garrison as little as possible. Well, then you were asking for trouble, Major, knowing that there was a payroll coming in. The arrival of the payroll was secret. Even the two men carrying it didn't know what it was. Well, the word must have got out somehow. It seems to me, Major, like somebody out at the fort must have told them. There are no traitors in my command, Sheriff. Uh, Major, I'm not a sheriff. You, you see it. Never mind. I... Marshal, I demand to know what you intend doing about this crime. 
All right, I'll tell you, Major. Nothing. What? If I knew who did it, I'd make the arrest, but I don't, so there's nothing I can do. I see. Well, Marshal, I regard this crime as a demonstration of your inability to control these Dodge City ruffians, and therefore I shall do it myself. How's that, Major? If no arrests are made in this matter, I'll give these bad men of yours a taste of martial law. We'll see how they like that. I wouldn't try that, Major. The streets will be patrolled 24 hours. Now listen to me, Major. You don't know these men. Sure, there are some bad ones here, but most of them are just wild. Free and wild. But you run the army in here and they'll all fight. Hmm. Let them. You've been stationed at Fort Dodge two months now, haven't you, Major? How long have you been out on the frontier? This is my first tour, thank heaven. And I'd advise you to take it easy. You get to know the ways of this land. You may save your advice, Marshal. There'll be trouble, Major. Bad trouble. If necessary. Nonetheless, the army will take over within the week or before. If there are any more of these crimes committed against it. Good day, gentlemen. My. You think he'll do it, Mr. Dillon? Yeah, he made a mistake and he's a hot-headed fool, Chester. You try it. Well, can't you stop him? I don't know. Well, I'll be at Big Kate's later on. You can find me there if you need me. All right, Mr. Dillon. Hey, Marshal, come here. What is it, Shiloh? Well, there's talk of Dodge being run by the army, Marshal. So? So I don't like it. I and most of the men around here got out back in 65. We've had all the army we need. Yeah, I know. But maybe things will work out. And if they don't work out, which side are you fighting on, Dylan? Where do you stand? I'm hired to keep the peace, Shiloh, not to answer fool questions. You calling me a fool? Well, say it. No, you're drunk, Shiloh. You saying I'm drunk, Marshal? Is that it? All right, Shiloh, I'll show you how drunk you are. Now, when he comes around, tell him I took his gun. He can get it back in the morning. And if he objects to that, tell him to look me up and I'll throw him in jail. It's Matt, Kate. Well, come on in. Well, sit down, Matt. I'll get your toddy. Thank you, Kate. You could thank me best for buying a drink at the bar downstairs once in a while. Well, why should I? I get better whiskey for free up here. <laughs> at least you're honest. Well, what's in the wind, Marshal Dillon? Did you just come up here because you're tired of sitting with your back to a wall? <laughs> you're right, Kate. It's the only place in Dodge where I can relax. That's probably just because you don't consider me worth killing. Uh, how old am I, Matt? <coughs> oh, what? You heard me. <laughs> well, uh, I never thought much about it, Kate. You sure didn't. What are you getting at, anyway? Just that if I was 20 years younger, you probably wouldn't come here at all. Well, <laughs> and why? Here's your toddy. Forget it. <laughs> Anything you say, Kate. You know, Matt, you ought to get yourself a girl. Oh, now, Kate, don't start I mean that. it, Please. sure. Somebody like, we'll say Connie Dell. There's a real pretty girl. 
A lot of fire. Oh, you're sure a conniving old woman, Kate. You're just no good at all. You are. <laughs> you say worse than that. I told Connie she'd come up and have a drink with us the next time you show. Yeah, all right, Kate, if it pleases you. It does. Connie! Now there's fresh cigars in that box by your chair, Matt. Well, now. Had them brought in by the Santa Fe Railroad all the way from St. Louis. Evening, Miss Kate. Oh, come on in, Connie. I've corralled the marshal for you. Sit down, honey. I'll fix you a drink. And don't let her talk bother you, Connie. Well, I, I did ask to meet you, Marshal. Oh? Why? Why'd you want to meet me? Hmm. Maybe just to see if you're really as cold and cruel as you seem downstairs. And? I can't tell yet. But I don't think you are. Yeah, a profession like mine leaves its mark on there's always trouble of some kind, isn't there? Most always. Like this army business now? Yeah. Will it be bad, Marshal? Yeah, it could be. Well, I'll figure it this way, Matt. The Major's in trouble and he's trying to cover it up by threatening to take over Dodge. Well, any more difficulties and he will do it. Blessed green one. Uh, say, Connie, your corporal been in? He left a while ago. Well, what's he say? How'd the soldiers feel about all this? Well, I don't think they want to mix it with all these gunmen and buffalo hunters and the like. Yeah. Major will wish he were back on maneuvers if it starts. Maneuvers? So that's where they've all been. No wonder it's been so quiet. But that corporal of yours, Connie, how come he didn't go out? He's not my corporal, Miss Kate. He's, he's just a lonely kid. <laughs> all right. Seems like he spends more time here than at the fort. How's he managed that? Oh, they made him a clerk, a sort of bookkeeper. This time's pretty much his own. Uh-huh. Well, he's lucky. He's got a good, safe job, too. Suppose it is. Well, I'd better get back. Now that we've met, Marshal, you might stop and buy me a drink next time you I'm afraid not, Connie. No? You're too distracted. I might get careless and shot at. I take that as a compliment, Marshal. It is. Good night, Marshal. Thank you. Don't you mention it, honey. Well, Matt? You said her name's Connie Dell, Kate. Where's she from? I never ask the girls anything. <laughs> yeah, maybe, but you always find out. Now, come on, tell me. Hey, City, last. Uh-huh. And what's the name of this corporal who's been sniffing around? Bowers, Corporal Bowers. Oh, here, let me sweep that toddy for you. All right. You put me in mind of a man I knew back in Wichita. Yeah. He was the slipperiest, sidewind, <laughs> and the stubbornest man I ever knew. Even Mr. John? Everything quiet, Chester? Yes, sir. But it's like everybody's holding his juice for the army if it comes in. Quiet and mean, Mr. Dillon. That's it, just, just quiet and mean. Yeah. All right, Chester, you can go to bed. I'll stay around for a little while longer. Yes, Mr. Dillon. Oh, uh, first thing in the morning, I want you to go to the depot and have him send a message to the sheriff in Hayes City. That'd be Mr. Hickok? Yeah, ask Bill to send me all the information he can about a dance hall girl named Connie Dell. She left there about a month ago. Connie Dell. I'll do it, Mr. Dillon. And uh, bring me the answer as soon as it comes in, huh? Well, we ought to have it by tomorrow evening. Yeah, I hope so. Well, good night, Chester. Good night, Mr. Dillon. 
car down at the railroad depot, Mr. Dillon, it'd come in at 7 o'clock. Oh, good. Let me see it, Chester. Here. Eh. Connie Dell worked Golden Horn Bar here. Left about a month ago, a stranger called Billy Grounds. Nothing against girl, but believe Grounds a wild one. Has anybody shot you? Yes. <laughs> Sorry, guards. Hey, guy. Um, what's up, Mr. Dillon? Well, I don't know, Chester. Don't quite know. Uh, look, you go over and ask Big Kate if she's heard anything about this Billy Grounds. All right, Mr. Dillon. Marshal! Huh? What is it, child? I want you to smell my gun. Here. Here. What? And go on, smell it. Yeah, all right. It hasn't been fired. What are you worried about? Well, uh, I've been talking a lot lately, and a, a man was just shot out behind the long branch. A soldier. Any witnesses to this? Well, who saw it? I, I, I just heard the shot. I want to know who killed this soldier. Maybe nobody did see it, Marshal. Maybe nobody cares much about it anyway. Just a soldier. Wait a minute. All right, you men, I'm going to tell you something. If I don't find who shot this man, the army will move in here for sure. Let the whole army, Marshal. They won't all move in. Why not? A sharp's rifle can kill a buffalo at 200 yards. I reckon it'll kill soldiers at three. <laughs> let me through here. Let me through. Let me through here. Hello, Marshal. What have we got this time? Uh-oh. Uh soldier. Yeah. Well, he needs an autopsy just like anybody else. That was the man that shot him. He'd get hurt, maybe? Take a good look, Doc. He isn't even armed. This isn't a shooting. This is a murder. Hey, you're right, Marshal. Oh, well, I'll get him up to my office. Ian, now give me a hand, somebody. You may have a better day tomorrow, Doc, but I hope I can spoil it for you. I'm riding out to Fort Dodge right now. Well, Marshal, what brings you here? Trouble, Major. What sort of trouble? Murder. A soldier? Yeah. Who? I don't know, some private. Why haven't I been informed of this? It just happened about an hour ago. In Dodge City, of course. In Dodge City. Have you arrested the murderer? Nobody saw it happen. I see. Well, Marshal, you leave me no choice. Now, to... hold it, Major. I didn't ride out here just to carry news for you. I want something from you. From me, Marshal? Yeah. I want you to keep all soldiers out of Dodge for the next 48 hours. Put it off limits. <laughs> That's not exactly what I had in mind, Marshal. But you're going to do it anyway. What? Now listen, Major. Dodge City's an armed camp. It's full of men who fought Indians, who fought the war between the states, and who fought each other ever since they could spit. They'll fight you next. They'll make you hate it. Marshal Dillon, I shall report your treasonable talk. Report what you like, but stay out of Dodge. Now, I'll make you a deal, Major. Give me 48 hours and I'll find your killers. You better take it. All right. But I want the criminals delivered here. Sure, Major. And I might have to kill them to get them here.
Doc, you drinking up the profits you made off of that soldier? Uh, uh, oh, oh, hello, Marshal. <laughs> uh, the uh, boy's name was Boone, according to the letter I found him. Uh-huh. Anything else? Yes. Dug a couple of slugs out of him. It's a funny thing, Marshal. I haven't happened on lead like that since 65. What do you mean, Doc? Well, I'd swear that boy was shot with a cavalry pistol. I'll see you later, Doc. Now, mind you can't prove it. Not exactly, but I would swear. Come in. Hello, Kate. Did Chester see you? He did. Well? Matt, I get my information through the girl. Some of it's true, some of it's bound to be just talk. I'll weed it out. Connie's been seen riding out at night toward the Arkansas down by Brandy Bend. What for? Well, I don't know. Could be this fellow Billy Grounds. Yeah. His name's never been mentioned around here. My guess is he's never been in town. Anything else? One thing. Corporal Bowers and Connie went for a ride one night. When? Night before that payroll was robbed. Yeah, figures. Where's Connie now? Over at the Longhorn, eating a steak. It's kind of late for supper, isn't it? She works late. Matt. Yeah? Next girl I steer you into, I'll pull her fangs first. <laughs> no, thank you, Kate. I like them better this way. <laughs> Evening, Connie. Well, this is a surprise, Marshal. May I sit down? Of course. Thank you. You sure Corporal Bowers won't mind? Don't be silly. Anyway, he's away at the fort. Huh? What time do you leave, Connie? I don't know. About seven, I think. Why? Anyone with him? Yeah, Private Bone. Marshal, you think Bowers shot him, is that it? You know any reason why he would, Connie? They were friends. They worked together in the bookkeeping office. I see. Tell me, Connie, Bowers say much about his job there or what he does and all? No, Marshal. He never talked about it. Handled expenses for supplies and the like? Figured out the payroll? I don't know. Bowers would be in a good spot to know when to expect the payroll money in, wouldn't he? Even when it was kept a secret? You'd have to ask him, Marshal. I don't know anything about the Army. This isn't why you found me here, is it? <laughs> of course not, Connie. I'm, I'm sorry. Hey, you look real pretty tonight. Why, thank you, Marshal. You really mean it? Sure. Sure I do. I have to work late tonight, but I can get off tomorrow evening. Marshal, would you go for a ride with me? There'll be a moon. Where would we ride to, Connie? I don't know. Anywhere, maybe. Maybe along the Arkansas. Oh, I know. Let's let's ride down toward Brandy Bend. All right, Connie. We ride down to Brandy Bend. Well, 
You're all dressed up, Mr. Dillon. You going somewhere? Yeah, after supper, I am, Chester. Got me an engagement. Going riding with Connie Dell in the moonlight along the river. Is she a nice girl, Mr. Dillon? All girls are nice, Chester. Some fall in with bad company, that's all. Yes, sir. Mr. Dillon? Yeah. Who doesn't fall in with? Me. Oh, now, Mr. Dillon, that's not so. Then who'd you think, Chester? Come on, tell me. Billy Grounds. You don't give me much credit for romance, Chester. No, sir. <laughs> well, don't look so worried about it. I, I was thinking, would you like me to follow you tonight? Indian style? Uh, thanks, Chester, but it wouldn't help. You see, I'm riding into an ambush. It'll be over fast. Real fast. Well, all right, Mr. Dillon, if that's where you want it. That's the way it's got to be. Uh, and as soon as I leave, I want you to ride up to Fort Dodge and see the Major. Yes, sir. Uh, uh, tell him to arrest Corporal Bowers for the murder of Private Bone. I think Bone found out where the leak about that payroll money came from, and Bowers had to shut him up. The Major won't like that, will he? Well, tell him I'll prove it. And anyway, I think Bars will confess fast enough when the time comes. When'll that be, Mr. Dillon? When I get back to town. With Billy Grounds. What about the girl? Well, it's like I told you, Chester. Nice girl. Bad company. You know, I had me a girl once. Huh? Well, you never told me about that, Chester. What happened? It was over in Abilene. I gave her my money to go to St. Louis and buy some wedding clothes. She wanted that. So? Well, I don't know, Mr. Dillon. I guess she just liked it there in St. Louis. I'm going down the street, Chester. You better get started for the forts soon. Yes, sir, Mr. Dillon. Evening, Marshal. Uh, hello, Shiloh. I feel another drunk coming on, Marshal. Well, then check your guns back there with Chester. What if the army comes tonight? I'll need my gun. Then stay sober. Uh, but uh, if the army doesn't come, I'll have stayed sober for nothing. Every man's got his problem, Shiloh. But uh, if I see you drunk and wearing your gun, you'll wake up brokenhearted in jail tomorrow. Well, I'm going to get drunk enough to draw on you, Marshal. That's so, Shiloh? Then some night you're going to die. Marshal? Oh, hello, Connie. I got off a little early. Shall we go now? Anytime. I keep my horse at the National. I'll meet you at the edge of town. Oh, you ashamed to be seen with me? Oh, no, Marshal. But well, you know how people talk. Sure, Connie. I'll wait for you just down the trail. I'll hurry. Now we come pretty fast, Connie. You want to get on for a minute? I'm all right. All right. We'll let the horses blow a little and then move on, huh? You nervous, Connie? No. Why? Well, then sit down and relax. All right. 
this better? Yeah. Yeah, sure is a nice night. Yeah, it's beautiful. You're not even looking at it, Connie. Is something on your mind? No, of course not. Why should there be? I don't know. You tell me. It, it's nothing, Marsha, really. Connie, let me ask you something. You ever see a man killed? What? Why'd you say that? Well, did you? Yes. Once in the saloon. Ah. Tell me. Do you have a fair chance? Yeah, he even drew first. Then you never saw a man shot in the back. Or ambushed. What do you mean, Marshal? I think it sort of goes against your grain, Connie, the idea of a man being killed without a fair chance. I get it, Marshal. All right. Go ahead. Down by the river near Brandy Bend, Billy Grounds is waiting to shoot me in the back. Then why did you come, Marshal? It's my job. I suppose you know about everything. I think so. What are you going to do? Connie, unless I made a mistake about you, I I think you're going to let me have a fair chance at him. Somehow. Why should I? What does it mean to me? I don't know, Connie. I, I don't know. But you think about it. You think about it all the way to Brandy Bend. Now, come on, let's ride. Make a nice camp down here. Plenty of wood. Get your own water right out of the Arkansas. Don't you think, Connie? man could hide out for a long time down here. Marshal. He could be safe here, even while the army was trying to move into Dodge. A lot of men were being killed back there. It's peaceful here. Quiet. Marshal, I can't do it. Tell me, Connie. That, that big cottonwood up ahead, on the left. All right. Keep moving. When we get there, I'm going to ride fast. I'll hang on to the offside of my horse for cover. When I start, you turn around. Get back out of gunfire. Yeah, sure is pretty down here, Connie. You know, maybe someday we can come down and go fishing, huh? That river's full of catfish. Did you ever get a catfish dinner? Oh, that can be mighty good when they're small. Back, Connie. Yeah, he's dead, Connie. I'm all right, Marshal. I'm sorry about this, Connie. I'm sorry I had to do it. He killed your horse. I'll show you where his is. And the money. 
Then you can take me back to Dodge. To jail. All right, Connie. But you won't be in jail for long. Yeah, have my word. Not for long. Let's go, Marshal. Gunsmoke, under the direction of Norman MacDonald, stars William Conrad as Matt Dillon, U.S. Marshal. Tonight's story was especially written for Gunsmoke by John Meston with music composed and conducted by Rex Corey. Featured in tonight's cast were Michael Ann Barrett and Jeanette Nolan, with Harry Bartell and Don Diamond. Parley Bear is Chester, and Howard McNear is Doc. Join us again next week as Matt Dillon, U.S. Marshal, fights to bring law and order out of the wild violence of the West in Gunsmoke. <laughs> Adventure just begins with Gunsmoke on CBS Radio. Still ahead tonight, Gene Autry, Tarzan, Gangbusters, and Stars in the Air. Yes, listen in for them all on most of these same CBS radio stations. This is Roy Rowan speaking. And remember, for your free convention handbook, write to time, CBS Chicago 90, Illinois. This is the CBS Radio Network. Stay tuned for a brand new show coming up next on Theater of the Mind. You're listening to Theater of the Mind on Zoomer Radio, AM 740 and 96.7 FM in downtown Toronto. Back in the early 50s, the FBI was great fodder for writers of radio drama. One we'll hear tonight, The FBI in Peace and War, a radio crime drama inspired by Frederick Lewis Carroll's book of the same name. It aired on CBS from November 25th of 44 to September 28th, 1958, produced and directed by Max Marson and Betty Mandeville. The show had a variety of sponsors over the years, including Lava Soap, Wild Root Cream Oil, Lucky Strike, Nescafe, and Wrigley's. And in 1955, it was the eighth most popular radio show, as noted in Time magazine. So let's hear the episode that first aired in 1951 entitled Unfinished Business. The FBI in Peace and War. The FBI in Peace and War, brought to you by Wheaties Breakfast of Champions a product of General Mills, and by Wild Root Cream Oil, America's favorite hair tonic. Look twice, and you'll look twice as good. Yes, look twice, and make sure you get Wild Root Cream Oil hair tonic. Again and again, the choice of men and women and children, too. Another great story based on Frederick L. Collins' copyrighted book, The FBI in Peace and War. Drama, thrills, action. Tonight's story, Unfinished Business. So you want police protection, is that it, Ruby? Yeah, that's it. Why didn't you go directly to the police? 
Joe said if I was ever in trouble, I should come to you first. He said you'd know what to do. I see. You've got to get me out of this spot, Mr. Martin. I can't sleep. I can't eat. Guess it's still a minute as long as that guy's on the loose. You think he might try to harm you? After what I did, he just would soon kill me, I know. What did you do? It's none of your business. All right, if that's the way you feel. No, 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 wait. I, I didn't mean that. I, I'm just so jumpy and nervous, I just meant... Look, Ruby, if you want me to help you, I've got to ask questions. Yeah, I know, Mr. Martin. I'm sorry. How about a cigarette? Yeah, I'd like one. Right? Thanks. All right. Now, let's have the whole thing right from the beginning. Well... Everything, Ruby. No matter what you did. Pretty crummy. But it wasn't all my fault. At first, I thought... Just tell me what happened. All right. You know about Eddie Jackson? Yes. Well, I didn't. Not at first. All I knew was what Joe told me. He called me up the club one night, Club 15. That's where I was working... He said, there's somebody coming over tonight, and his name is Eddie Jackson. I want you to be terrible. Check your hat, sir. Huh? Your hat, sir. Oh, yeah, sure. Here, I sustain. Thank you, sir. That's okay, honey. Thank you. Here you are, sir. Hmm? Your check. Oh, oh, yeah, your check. <laughs> My mistake. I sort of forgot about things like this. I've been away for a while. Yeah. Yeah, quite a while. Good evening, sir. Hello. You have a reservation, sir? Well, I... Uh... We are very full, sir, if you have no reservation. Well, I uh, was supposed to meet Joe Ryan here. Oh, Mr. Mr. Ryan, of course, sir. I'm so sorry. You are Mr. Eddie Jackson, correct? Yeah, that's right. This way, sir, please. We have a table for you right here at the ringside. Gus, Mr. Ryan's table of champagne. Yes, sir. Very best table, sir. Mr. Ryan has left complete instructions for the dinner. Everything is arranged. Well, that's nice. And here we are, sir. Uh, this table? That's right, Eddie. I... Uh... Leon. Yes, Miss Ruby? Two martinis and then we'll have dinner. Very good, Miss. Two martinis. Sit down, Eddie. Joe's going to be a little late. <sighs> Look, beautiful, I don't get this. My name's Ruby Winters. I'm your date for the night. My date? Mm-hmm. Joe says you've been away a long time. He figured you might want somebody to do the town with you. Come to somebody. Well, what do you know about that? You like the idea? I sure do, gorgeous. What'd you say your name was? Ruby Winter. Okay, Ruby, take a deep breath. This is the night you're really going to remember. <laughs> he was right, huh? I don't remember last night. My feet will, believe me. You hit every spot in town. And out of it. He even hired a cab to go gambling in Jersey. What did he say about me not showing up? Listen, after the third drink, he didn't even know you were living. <laughs> did he know you were living? Well, he didn't act like I was repulsive. That's what I thought. Joe, when are you going to let me in on this deal? In a minute, baby. He really gave you a whirl, huh? You think the guy hasn't seen a night spot in 50 years. Where's he been, Africa? No, Atlanta. Just got out of the federal pen. What? Yeah, I was serving six years for armed robbery. Well, you certainly got your nerve teaming me up with a jailbird. Now, relax. Relax? You telling me he was a business partner, telling me to give him the lovey-dovey routine. Ruby, there's a hundred thousand bucks in this. What? One hundred G's, cash, folding money. He's got it, and I want it. Eddie? That little guy, he's got... Yeah, that little guy, he's got. 
Where would he get $100,000? I gave it to him. Huh? Six years ago, I gave him 100000 bucks cash to take the rap from me on a bank job. Joe, you're kidding. I wish I was. Well, you never told me. Just before I met you, me and the boys stuck up the Farmington National Bank. We got 200000 out of it. The cops caught up with me, so I paid Eddie to sign a confession that he did it. He served your term? Yeah, six years. Less six months' good behavior. You paid in advance? Sure, that was the deal. He's got every dime of that dough sorted away someplace. Where? That's what you've got to find out. Oh, I see. Won't be hard for a girl with your talents. Thanks. And look, what belongs to me belongs to you. 100000 for the two of us. What do you say, Ruby? What do you think I say? Okay, baby. Go to work on it. So I went to work on it. The job wasn't as simple as it looked. Guy that's been locked up for all those years likes a good time, but he doesn't talk too much about his business. Go on. Well, I told Joe, I said, this isn't going to be easy. And he said, nothing good comes easy. You got to dig, that's all. So I said, okay, I'll dig, but I just hope we don't come up with a fistful of trouble. Federal Bureau of Investigation, Mr. Shepard's desk. Yes, he is. Just a moment, please. Morning, Miss Hill. Oh, good morning, Mr. Bailey. How was the trip? Not bad, thanks. Did you see any shows in New York? No, nose to the grindstone every time. <laughs> I'll just bet. So it's the truth to help me. Mr. Shepard in? Mm-hmm, waiting for you. Ask me twice if you'd call. Good, that means something interesting's happened. See you later, Miss Hill. Yes, sir. See you later. Okay, I'm here. Let's get to work. Well, at least take your coat off. All right, but Miss Hill said you were asking for me. You heard from Florida? Uh-huh. Well, come on, come on. I will, but just briefly, how did you and the New York office make out? Briefly, we got no place. No? We tailed Eddie Jackson an eight-hour shift for six days. All he did in that time was make a tour of every restaurant, theater, and night spot in town with a girl named Ruby Winters. Hitting the high spots, huh? That's all. But he spent money freely. That's putting it mildly. He threw the stuff away. Uh-huh. And he just got out of prison a month ago. Oh, he has money somewhere. There's no doubt about that. Plenty of money. Now, what about Florida? Well, the Miami office followed that lead. There may be some truth in the tip that Jackson was working in a Palm Beach gambling joint on the night of the Farmington bank holdup. Well, I'll be... I said there may be. Miami's going to continue checking. But if Jackson was in Palm Beach... Uh-huh. Why did he sign a confession to the robbery? You tell me. He was taking the rap for somebody else. Could be. Could be. It probably is. Just as you said, look at the money he's throwing around. Sure, but that might be the money he got from the bank holder. Or from someone who paid him to say he did the holdup. Uh-huh. A whole flock of could be. I'll say. So where do we go from here? Well, our job has been and will continue to be the location of that money. $200,000 was taken from that bank. What did Jackson say about the money in his confession? Oh, the usual. He said he lost it on the races before he was picked up. So? So we'll have to put together all those could-be's and maybe's and possibly come up with something. In the meantime... In the meantime, we keep a 24-hour surveillance on Eddie Jackson. Right. 24-hour surveillance and see what happens. Memorandum for Shepard, please. Yes, Mr. Bailey. January 4th, subject went to theater with same woman after theater, the downtown club. Subject left woman at her apartment. January 6th, subject spent afternoon shopping with same woman. Check up with stores, shows over $700 spent on clothes and jewelry. Subject went to dinner with woman, then returned... 
Determined to keep the rally alive. Might be a hit and run play. It is. There goes the runner, and Gordon hits a whistling ladder between first and second. Here comes the run in. Oh, Gordon rounds first. He's trying for second. There's a good throw from right field. It might nail him. Sid flies. The big crowd just will see. Yes, sir. He's safe. A perfectly executed hit and run play by clutch hitter Sid Gordon. Oh, Wheaties man, too, this great champion. And remember, what sparks a champion sparks you. Got a tough job tomorrow? Then remember this outstanding food fact. There's a whole kernel of wheat in every Wheaties flake. Wheaties give you all the grain. Not just half of it nor part, but the whole rich kernel. And when you store up solid, lasting wheat power, you're hard to stop. So have Wheaties. Remember, there's a whole kernel of wheat in every Wheaties flake. What sparks a champion sparks you. And champions choose Wheaties. Breakfast of champions. And now, back to the FBI in Peace and War. And tonight's story, Unfinished Business. So, Eddie Jackson was serious. Yeah, the crazy luggy one to marry me. He didn't know anything about you and Joe. No, he'd known anything but... What's the matter? Nothing. I thought I heard your doorbell. You wouldn't let anybody in here without seeing who it was, would you? Nobody can get by the doorman, Ruby. I have permanent orders on that. Okay, I'm kind of nervous. I understand, but you're safe up here. Would you like a drink? Yeah, maybe that would help. All right, I'll fix one for both of us. You keep talking. Well... Eddie Jackson wanted to marry you. Yeah. What did Joe do about that? What did Joe do? You know him, he started figuring the angles. 
The more he figured, the better it looked. The better it looked, the more I got sore at the whole shaky setup. <laughs> it's perfect, Ruby. It just can't miss. Go on. Enjoy yourself. Knock yourself out for good. Oh, baby, you got to admit it's kind of funny. You set out to give the guy the business, and it ends up he wants to marry you. How funny about that? You don't see it? No. Okay, skip it. Never mind, skip it. I'm getting sick and tired of this business. Now, look, relax. It won't be much longer. I never should have let you talk me into this in the first place. Not much longer, I guarantee. Look, look. The guy who proposes marriage has got to be a honeymoon, right? As a honeymoon, he's going to take plen plenty of dough along. Now you'll find out where he keeps it for sure. Listen, if you think I'm going to marry this joker... Who says you're going to marry him? You just let him think you are. You can talk. You don't have to be with him 24 hours a day. What's the matter? He's showing you time, isn't he? You know what I mean. You and I hardly see each other anymore. A hundred grand, baby. We'll see each other plenty once we get our hands on that. You mean it? I'm telling you. You play this thing along, and before you know it, we're on our way to the coast with money to burn. All right, Joe. But if Eddie ever got wise to this setup... Oh, forget it. He doesn't know a thing. Right now, he's out shopping for a wedding ring. Yeah? Sure, he called me up this morning, wanted my advice. Should he get plain gold or a diamond band? No kidding. Uh-huh. And I said, diamonds, Eddie, all the way around. For a girl like Ruby, nothing but the best. That's what I said. Nothing but the best, Eddie. That's what you said. That's what I got. They, uh, you couldn't find a better-looking ring if you bought it legitimate. Not bad, not bad at all, Shorty. Classy, huh? Yeah, real nice. Isn't hot, is it? Hot? Hey, what kind of business do you think I run? No offense, just checking. You know I wouldn't sell you anything hot, Eddie. No pal like you. Honest, I'm, I'm losing money at a thousand. I said it, I'm Losing money. I, I really hate to give it up. <laughs> oh, she's a very lucky girl. Mm -mm, Shorty, I'm a very lucky guy. Well, either way... It's a thousand bucks cash. Yeah, I have it for you right here. And uh, an extra five for the Fifth Avenue box. Uh-huh. Uh, incidentally, uh, who is the lucky girl? You didn't tell me. Pretty in town. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Ruby Winters. Ruby Winters? You mean Joe Ryan's girl? What? I mean, I mean, I mean... What uh, did you say? Oh, nothing, Eddie. Nothing. What did you mean, Joe Ryan's girl? No, I'm being... What did you mean? I was surprised, that's all. Ruby is Joe's girl. Everybody knows Why, that. Why, you... Tell me the truth. truth. I mean, I wouldn't lie to you, Eddie. You couldn't have known because you were in the pen. Now, let me talk. Will you? Go on, talk. Like, like I said, everybody knows it. Joe and Ruby are like that. Listen, Shorty. You've got to believe me, Eddie. Now, Joe almost killed a guy once over Ruby. That's the truth? You swear? I swear it, Eddie. Ruby is Joe's girl. Okay, sorry. <laughs> yes? Eddie, you, you still want the ring, don't you? Eddie? Yes, I still want the ring. <laughs> called me up and said he had a surprise he wanted to show me. I knew he had the ring. The surprise I didn't know was that somebody else was interested in that ring besides me and Joe and Eddie. Memo to Shepard. Surveillance of Eddie Jackson, January 10th. Followed well-known fence, Shorty Zeller, to Jackson's room. 
teller left room in half hour counting large sum of cash. Jackson later went to dinner and Hello, Chef. You wanted to see me? Yes, Frank. Sit down. I've been reading over your memorandums. Coupled with what I've got are maybes and could be, so beginning to iron out. Oh? Wire just came in from Miami. They have positive evidence that Eddie Jackson was working in Palm Beach on the night of the Farmington bank holdup. Well, good. That takes care of the maybes. What about the rest? Why did Jackson sign a confession of the robbery when he couldn't possibly have done it? Right. Well, we know for sure now that the money he's been throwing around can't be money from the holdup. So it must be money... money from someone who paid him to confess. Exactly. So we swing into action, pick up Jackson, get a brand new confession out of him. Not yet. There's one more could be I'm particularly interested in. Yeah? Well, look at your memos. Ruby Winters is spending all her time with Jackson and his common gossip, Ruby's Joe Ryan's girl. What's she up to? Find that out, Frank, and we may find our 200,000. Find out what Ruby's up to, and then we'll swing into action. <laughs> Darling. Thanks, Harry. You're coming in, aren't you? Well, it's pretty late. We've got a big day tomorrow. I'm... Just walk me upstairs. Big day is right. Whoever thought when we met that first night you and me'd be getting married? Nobody. Least of all me. Yeah? Sure. I couldn't imagine a pretty thing like you not being all tied up. Oh, go on. No, I mean it. I was sure you were maybe even Joe's girl or something. Joe's girl? That's a good one. Yeah. That's crazy, wasn't it? I'll say. Sure you won't come in for a nightcap? Oh, not tonight, Ruby. Give me a rain check, huh? Oh, lifetime of rain check, then. Starting first thing in the morning. You'll be all packed and ready to go? Will I? You uh, don't want to back out now, do you? Before it's too late. Some chance. Do you? No. This is one thing I really want to go through with. You won't be sorry. I don't think I will. Hey, Ruby. See you in the morning. Gonna kiss me goodnight? Hmm? Oh, sure. Sure I am. Hmm. Good night, darling. Hey, Ruby. Get a good sleep. Don't worry, I will. Hello? Joe, Ruby. Yeah, Ruby. Joe, I know where he's got the money. What? He spilled it tonight at dinner. He said I ought to know in case something ever happened to him. I told you what tonight. I told you. Okay, wise guy, you told me. Where are you now, Ruby? At the apartment. He just left a minute ago. No, never mind the cab. Get your car out. The car? Yeah, we're going out in the country. About 80 miles north of here on Route 17. No, mean he's got the door out of the farm. That's where it is, Joe. I'll get the car. Maybe downstairs in 10 minutes. So we had to go with the farm. Who would have figured that? How much further is it, Joe? Any minute now. Just off one of these dirt roads, but it's been so long since I was up there here. There couldn't be anybody there. No, nothing but the mice. It's an old run-down shack. Me and the boys bought it ten years ago. That's how Eddie knew about it? Yeah, when he was working for me. Oh, here we are. 
I remember that no trespassing sign. Joe. Yeah? What's Eddie going to do when he finds out the dough's gone? What can he do? He ever knew that you and me... Sure, he'd finish the both of us. Okay. There's a flashlight in my glove compartment. All right. Mine had come within a mile of the place. Give you the shivers. Well, don't worry. The hundred thousand will take him away. In there. Joe? Yeah? There won't be the whole hundred, will there? Say he spent ten. That still leaves ninety. She. All that cash right here in this room. The fireplace, huh? Yeah, he says the mantelpiece is stuff. Okay, here it is. She, Joe. Yeah. You hold the light so I can see what I'm doing. Uh-huh. Lift up, huh? Yep. Okay, I'll lift it up. There it is. Metal box, just like you said. Take it out. I got it. Look, look, look at that stuff. A hundred grand. Oh, Joe. One hundred thousand smackers. Matt. Only singles underneath. What? A few large bills and singles underneath. Where's the rest? In the bank, Paul, Joe. Huh? The rest of the money is in the bank vault. Or it's been for six years. Hetty. Hello, Joe. Hello, Ruby. I see you two didn't waste any time getting here. Eddie, I, I can tell you what happened, Don't honey. Don't bother. I know what happened. All right. How do you want this? Ladies first? Eddie, put that gun down and listen for a minute, will you? I think you'll be first, Joe. I want Ruby to enjoy this. Get over against the fire. Eddie. Do like I say. You've you got to listen to me, Eddie. I, I know this doesn't look so good, but there are angles you don't understand. Yeah, I'll bet there are. Okay, Ruby. I'll take that flashlight. Ruby! Come back here, Ruby! Okay. Let her go. Her turn will come later. Joe? All right, Joe. Go ahead and make your run. You'll never get out of this room alive. Go ahead, Joe. Try it. Then a car gave me a lift and I got into town. I bought a paper right away, but there wasn't anything in it about a shooting. I don't know what to do with Eddie on the loose. So you came here? Yeah. Listen, Mr. Martin. Was that front door? Yes. And I gave strict orders not to let anybody up here. Don't let him in. He'll kill me. Don't let him in. Be quiet, please. You're getting unnecessarily upset. Mr. Martin, don't open it, please. Stop acting like a little fool. Eddie! Don't let him in. He'll kill me, Mr. Martin. Ah, dry up, Ruby. Nobody wants you but the cops. Well, Martin, these guys are from the FBI. Pick me up out at the farm. Joe's downstairs in the car. All right, Miss Winters, come along, please. What is it? These Boy Scouts were tailing me all the time, Ruby. Don't worry. They can't keep me in the pen forever. When I come out, sweetheart, you and me have got some unfinished business. Confronted with the FBI evidence on the Farmington bank robbery, 
Eddie Jackson revealed the details of his pact with Joe Ryan and surrendered his share of the stolen money. Ryan was tried and sentenced to 15 years for the robbery. Jackson to six as an accessory after the fact. No charge could be lodged against Ruby Winters. But when Eddie Jackson's term is up, we have an idea that Miss Winters won't be around for that unfinished business. Folks, you've heard me say on this program that Wild Root Cream Oil contains lanolin. Well, I'd like to tell you just why lanolin is used in Wild Root Cream Oil. You see, lanolin is a soothing oil that very closely resembles the natural oil of your own skin. And that means that Wild Root Cream Oil works right into your skin. That's why it grooms your hair so naturally. Yes, Wild Root Cream Oil penetrates and spreads without ever giving your hair that gooey, plastered-down look. Keeps hair in place the whole day long, too. In addition, Wild Root Cream Oil is non-alcoholic, relieves dryness, and removes loose dandruff. So, fellas, next time you buy a hair tonic, look twice. And you'll look twice as good. Yes, look twice and make sure you get the familiar yellow and black package of Wild Root Cream Oil, America's favorite hair tonic. Again and again, it's the choice of men and women and children, too. On sale everywhere for as little as 29 cents. Characters used in this partly transcribed program are fictitious. Any similarity to persons living or dead is purely coincidental. This program is based on Frederick L. Collins' copyrighted book, The FBI in Peace and War, and is not an official program of the FBI. In tonight's story, Ed Begley played the part of Joe Ryan, Elspeth Eric was Ruby Winters, and Frank Reddick was Eddie Jackson. The radio dramatizations for The FBI in Peace and War are written by Louis Pelletier and Jack Fink. These programs are produced and directed by Betty Mandeville. And now, this is Hugh Holder saying good night. Thanks for listening. Next week, more gems from the golden age of radio. Thanks to Joel Schoenwell for technical support. The executive producer of Theater of the Mind is Moses Neimer. Have a wonderful weekend. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.